1: Western New York is a region of seasons, and with three months of summer, we try to get a lot done. Buffalo and our surrounding communities have events going on constantly. One of note was just completed, the Juneteenth Festival of Buffalo. Juneteenth is the oldest known observance of the end of slavery in the United States. We commemorate that day and emphasize the achievements of African Americans, and all of us celebrate our freedom, civil, and human rights. This is Buffalo's 40th consecutive festival and the third largest in the world. I'm Peter Sabota. In this episode, our guest Dorlee McCauley describes how current and emerging social media expands social work career choices and practice. Ms. McCauley tells us how she developed herself into a social worker who is social media savvy and why she believes social media competence is important for current social work practice. She discusses how she believes social media is altering the landscape of social work practice and education, as well as promoting innovation in both because of its prevalence. Ms. McCauley lays out some guidelines for starting a blog and describes trends in the field related to specific social media tools. She concludes with specific recommendations for helpful sites and guidelines for self-branding for social workers. Dorley McCauley, MBA LMSW is a social worker and social media consultant for both the Center for Financial Social Work and the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Her work is centered around educating social workers and community advocates on how to help their clients develop a better relationship with their money and how to employ social media to enhance their social work practice. She is also the creator owner of the www.socialwork.career blog. Ms. McCauley was interviewed by Pat Shelley, MSW, the Director of Community Engagement and Expansion here at the UB School of Social Work. Pat interviewed Lee in March of 2015.
2: Hi, my name is Pat Shelley. I'm the School of Social Work Director of Community Engagement and Expansion, and I'm very pleased to be able to interview Dorlee McCauley today. Dorlee has been my social media coach for the past two years and I'm pleased to be able to interview her about her career path, her use of social media, and her expertise on and advice looking at what we might expect in the future of social work regarding social media. So, Dorlee, welcome.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: So tell us, how did you enter the field of social work after your initial career in the field of marketing with your MBA?
3: Well, I had always been interested in how people think as well as how the business world works. Therefore, both my undergraduate degree and my MBA reflected this as well as my work in marketing research. This work was very interesting and I had progressively moved up the ranks, so to speak, but then the market had a downturn, but this was a blessing in disguise because I had been thinking for a while that I wanted to make a difference on a personal level and I went for my MSW and never looked back. Today, you have a substantial reputation,
2: particularly through your blog, Social Work Career. It was used to be called Social Work Career Development, but you've, you know, I think tightened it up now. And that website is www.socialwork.career. Particularly uh, popular is your Best in Mental Health Guides, where you will publish articles, tell us about trends and current research that we should know about. And I think you put that out weekly. You're also an influencer on multiple social media sites, and you coach and consult. How did you develop this new career for yourself, and particularly you know, the steps you've taken along the way? Yeah.
3: Thank you. You're very kind. Actually, all those pieces, the blog, the different social media platforms, and my coaching consulting work are all connected. So where or how did it all begin? It actually first began with my playing around with Twitter. I have to confess that I didn't think much of Twitter when I first joined it back in June of 2009. The only reason I did it was as a favor to my mom. She had asked me to follow her but it didn't take me long to soon discover that by following the right people on Twitter I could learn a lot about any topic. One of the things I soon noticed was that a lot of people seem to have blogs and so when I started going for my MSW I thought that starting a blog may be a fun idea and perhaps it could also be something helpful for current or future students. Because I didn't know how to blog though when I first started it was more like a journal. But over time, thanks to all the generous knowledge that other experienced bloggers share, I learned how to blog and began to purposely cover other topics that would be of interest to other social workers, whether they were new or experienced. And then I used Twitter and other social media platforms like Pinterest and Google Plus as a way to stay informed, provide others with useful information, help promote my blog, and last but not least, stay connected with other people who had become my friends. And this is where all three pieces connect. The blogging, the social media platforms, and my coaching consulting work. Because I had interviewed Rita Wolfson, who's the president of the Center for Financial Social Work, for my blog. And since then, I've been working with her. And similarly, I got to know and became connected to Nancy, the dean of the School of Social Work, for my blog and Twitter. And she kindly thought of me when you had the need for a social media coach. Right. And so for the past two
2: years, I've been learning from you this new skill set that I use here at the school. And the purpose of the School of Social Work's social media platforms is to promote our unique trauma-informed and human rights-based curriculum. And, of course, I find you a very effective and engaging coach. So I'd like to ask you, what's your definition of a good coach?
3: I view a good coach as someone who can provide you with the guidance tools and support you need in order to achieve your objectives, whatever they are, and inspire you to do your best. The ultimate goal of a coach, I believe, is to work him or herself out of a job. And I find that there are many similarities between therapy and coaching. Your goal is really to meet your clients where they are in terms of their readiness to change and adapt your approach or interventions accordingly. The importance of establishing a rapport with your client is key, being empathic, having strong listening skills, and providing support to your client through the inevitable setbacks is key to the success of your work.
2: Yes, I remember times of you know deep frustration that you were able to bring me out of and encourage me to forge ahead with my learning. So thanks for that. Let me ask you, do you think your style or how you coach changes depending on what profession you're working with? So social work versus Somebody from another profession?
3: No. My experience has tended to be with other social workers, but I believe that my style would be the same whether I would coach a non-social worker or someone from a different professional background because regardless of my client's background, I would need to find out what his or her needs are, where he or she is in terms of the readiness to tackle social media. I need to establish a trusting relationship so that he or she would feel comfortable tackling new challenges with me and so on.
2: And as you said, very similar to the therapy process where you're assessing, building rapport, you know, setting goals or a treatment plan. That's a really good way, a really good analogy you've used. Why is social media becoming so important in today's social work practice?
3: I think the social media is so important today because it's a way for all of us to become educated and trained and stay up to date with the latest developments in mental health and social work practice. Many mental health organizations now offer free webinars to help us stay up to date. That's one of the things that I also provide on my website every month is the list of free webinars.
2: One of my favorites. (laughs) That's a great resource, and I've attended many of the free webinars. Thanks. Oh,
3: I'm glad. It's also important in terms of the way we social workers access resources to provide services for our clients. There's, for example, right now, Ann Bertha at AuntBertha.com is one online resource that you can enter your client's zip code and find all the available programs in your client's zip code. It's a way of networking and collaborating with your colleagues. It's a source of empowerment for advocacy, and it helps us meet the client where the client is.
2: And so many, particularly young people, are on social media now. That's a good point. How is it going to change social work practice, do you think?
3: It's changing the way social work education is being taught. For example, Laurel Hitchcock from the University of Alabama, along with Jimmy Young from the University of Nebraska, have recently designed an assignment for their students to watch and write about the documentary Inequality for All, and they'll be using a live Twitter chat. Actually, I think this is something that you probably would speak to better. You've not only participated in this beforehand but you're going to be doing it you're going to be participating in it next week i believe
2: right on march 12th thursday march 12th at 9 p.m eastern time the hashtag macro SW twitter chat so macro social work chat is going to have laurel and jimmy hosting the discussion on the documentary inequality for all And it's just a great experience, both one, the Twitter chat itself is, if people haven't done a Twitter chat, it's similar to a webinar where you type in your questions, only in the chat you're typing in your comments and offering examples and giving your input. So for the macro social work chat next week, students in classes, and there's one or two classes here from the UB School of Social Work who are going to be part of the chat, are going to be offering, you know, their views on why there's such inequality and income gaps and wealth maldistribution here in the United States. The experience of social work education, I think, has changed through this particular social media mechanism because it sort of levels out the hierarchy that can exist in education in a classroom where there's the professor, the expert teaching the less expert, you know, graduate students or undergraduate students. So in that way, it's just a new and exciting experience, I think.
3: So in other words, you're seeing that social media has kind of changed almost the educational paradigm where the professor is more like a, a mentor, a coach to the student versus like the, the superior expert.
2: That's a good way of putting it, yes, that more mentoring, particularly during these Twitter chats.
3: And then the students feel more empowered and probably almost more like independent and more capable that they are proficient and can do things on their own.
2: Right, yes. So the dynamics are changed there and hopefully will help students develop that professional identity and the confidence in their ability to acquire and share knowledge, to develop some expertise. So yes, it's a good exercise.
3: So kind of stemming from that, some additional trends are that more and more of our advocacy work and way of building awareness of mental health or social justice issues will be done now through social media. And by social media, I include YouTube. YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, and videos increase people's understanding of your product or service by 74%. So it's a very effective mechanism to reach the general population. Mental health services. We'll also expand via social media. Some therapists already provide therapy online, but I'd anticipate this growing, and I envision some therapists perhaps providing counseling via HIPAA-compliant type of messaging system, particularly with the younger generation that are used to just constantly texting. And recently, just a few days ago, Facebook, for example, announced that it was going to provide some sort of tools to make it easier for lay people to respond and inform the National Suicide Prevention Line when a friend of theirs appears depressed. I'm not sure of all the details, but the point is that thanks to the use of social media, we'll be able to ultimately help people sooner and hopefully prevent some suicides.
2: That's great. Yes. And, you know, maybe picking up keywords in a Facebook communication will tip the individual that, oh, maybe I better check with the suicide hotline. That's great.
3: Right. Exactly. And it also, you know, the better information out there is helping people kind of know that to no longer think that vis-a-vis suicide, for example, that when somebody's talking about it, oh, it doesn't mean anything. The layperson now knows to take people's statements about suicide seriously.
2: And I'll mention, I know in a recent New Yorker magazine article called Are You There, a crisis text line was established for teens, of course, because they text all the time. And it's anonymous and safe and have even developed, you know, shorthand codes for parent in the room and so forth so that the crisis uh, counselor will be able to know if the speech on the part of the teenager is curtailed at all. So, yeah, lots of exciting developments.
3: In that vein... Another nice development from social media is that you know it's going to force organizations and mental health professionals to be much more responsive to clients the whole dynamics are changing there are now campaigns where actually the clients have even on Twitter gone in hashtag campaigns. I think it was a year or two ago when they did one where it was like "What patients say" or something, and the takeaway was very clear: they were not feeling listened to by their psychiatrists or their therapists. They do not want to have their feelings ignored, and if they're not going to be listened to, they're not going to be quiet anymore. We're going to hear from them via social media. And this is a good thing so that clients and people who are oppressed now have a place to express themselves, to be heard.
2: And so another way that we can hold ourselves and our profession accountable.
3: Correct. Exactly. And then lastly... The social media, I see it as leading to greater innovation in our field. It's going to, and this is a result of the increased collaboration and networking that's occurring thanks to our involvement in social media. New ideas tend to blossom and stem from, you know, our seeing new connections basically from things that are in existence already. And the moment you have people working together from totally different organizations and countries so they may have applied solution a for one problem and then you go and like all of a sudden think well how about applying solution a for a different problem so you all of a sudden you have new innovative solutions to problems that once looked unsolvable now all of a sudden maybe you know we can solve them so it's, a, it's an exciting time
2: Right, and exponential expansion in one's network and, you know, around the globe. I know on our Twitter chats, we often have people from the United Kingdom, certainly Canada, and I think we've even had participants from Australia. So, yes, it it is great. In the area of blogging now, what formula or what outline would you suggest to social workers so that they could establish a similarly ethical and professional blog like yours, like socialwork.career?
3: I would recommend that you start out by figuring out first what your passion is. In other words, what it is that your primary interest is, so that whatever it is that you're going to be working on, it's something that you really enjoy, so that work is play, Because whatever you're going to be writing about, you know, it's going to take time. So you want to make sure that you really love it. And it can change. That's fine. But you want to make sure that it's something you love. So that's one. Two, I would recommend that you use your own voice. Show your personality. But at the same time, keep in mind that this is a public forum. So you want to exercise some caution on what you will or won't share. Three, I would try to have some sort of regularity in terms of when you post so that people know when to stop by. I'd be willing to make mistakes because if you're going to be a perfectionist about your writing, you may never write a post. And lastly, give credit to any sources you use.
2: Yes, and again, that I think applies to ethics reflecting the social work code of ethics for sure. And trends in social media. I've recently heard about simulation training for social workers. Do you know anything about that?
3: Yes. It's a very exciting time. People are definitely developing all kinds of simulation training programs. You know, there's virtual reality and so on. Some of them are still in development, but there are some that exist already today. The University of Southern California, for example, they have one program called MILES which they use for their current students, which is actually a motivational interviewing learning environment simulation so that their students are able to practice their motivational interviewing skills within a simulation environment. And then Uh there's one that we can use for free thanks to the University of Kent in the UK to develop our child protection skills. They have five different simulation programs, which basically allow us to kind of get the feeling of what it would be like to, let's say, work with a family where there is suspected child abuse or neglect, and perhaps there's a hostile environment, and we're getting all kinds of negative responses from different family members or different responses from the child, and we kind of practice in the simulation model with our responses and we see the parents or the child respond in one way or another and we learn how to improve our responses. So it's a very exciting time because it's one thing to learn it in the classroom, it's a whole other thing to be faced with someone who's giving you these hostile um, feedback. and How do you respond? So it's kind of nice to be able to practice it before actually facing somebody who may be angry. And, you know, you're trying your best to protect the child. And how do you do that? So this is
2: an opportunity to do role plays from a remote source. That's great. Yes. Also, you know, we've got new apps coming out every day. Are there any apps that are helpful in our social work practice?
3: Oh, there are so many. I'll just name three. You could use the one that just came out, I think, like two days ago by SAMHSA called Suicide Safe. That's a nice prevention app. You could, another one is a provider resilience app, which is a nice one that helps you kind of check, see how you're doing in terms of your mental health and provide some self-care tips. And then there's uh, Sex Positive, which is a nice shame-free sex education one from the University of Oregon.
2: That sounds great. And how about blogs? Do you see more and more social workers developing blogs? Are there particularly excellent ones out there, aside from the School of Social Work at the University of Buffalo's Social Work Synergy, of course, uh, (laughs) blogs or or individuals that you would recommend uh, people follow?
3: There are so many, but if I have to narrow it down, I would probably recommend that if you specifically want to continue your education about the use of social media and social work, to follow Jonathan Singer, Nancy Smith, Rachel West. Those are three good people. In terms of blogs, you would do well with Social Work Tech, Social Work Helper, Social Justice Solutions, and the new social worker, of course. And of course, there's a the UB School of Social Works a new resource, their Social Work and Technology Hub.
2: Right. And if you go to our website, you'll be able to find that under community resources, um, resources, technology, and social work. Great. Thanks for giving us the plug there, Dorley. We appreciate it. <laughs> How about guidance for our colleagues regarding personal branding? You know, okay, I'm starting in social media. I've got my Facebook page, perhaps. I'm starting my blog. How can I develop that personal brand?
3: Basically, personal branding refers to the way you're perceived by others and your unique value and kind of the way you present that to others across social media platforms. And this actually originated back from the management guru, Tom Peters, almost 20 years ago, actually. He had written Uh um, this infamous article for Fast Company and also the series of books, Brand You... So that's kind of where like, it all took off from. And the reason why it's so important, this whole concept, is that prospective employers use our social media profiles to screen us. Actually, 91% according to a survey conducted by Replr. So what we're doing or not doing on social media matters. You know, we can decide to go along with whatever happens to pop up in a random Google search for a name, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's positive uh-huh. or not, or we can decide to take a proactive stance and increase the odds that some positive search results will pop up.
2: Great. Yes. Very important. So what suggestions do you have?
3: Okay. So I would suggest that you, you first kind of determine what your values are and what you want to be known for. And then from there, you build your track record and reputation that will support what you want to be known for. So in other words, you would establish a profile on LinkedIn. You would look over your existing social media profiles. Do they reflect you as you'd like to be seen? You could consider creating your own personal website, or you could simply use something simple like About Me, which is a one-page free website kind of thing that you would like fill out that is a place that you connect all your social media profiles and you write a one paragraph description about yourself and then this can be something that when somebody looks up your name that will pop up along with your linkedin profile and it it's something that you wrote about yourself that hopefully then is favorable and it links your all your social media profiles in addition to that you could share helpful content on a regular basis on a social media platform of your preference. Great. So,
2: I thank you for providing us with this interview today, Durlee. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our in social work podcast listeners?
3: Yes. I think it's important that you be authentic. Not only will people see right through you if you're fake, but people only connect with real people. So, think of Brené Brown's 3 Cs: connection, compassion, and courage. We need to be willing to be a little vulnerable. Secondly, we need to be consistent. We can't be one way, one day, and another way, another day. By being authentic, consistent, and providing helpful content on a social media platform that you feel comfortable at, you can establish a positive reputation as someone who is knowledgeable about your area. And that is something good to have in hand whether you're looking for work or just want to do a better job at your current work so that you're collaborating with others on a project. And lastly, have fun with social media. Social media is a fun place to learn and make friends.
2: Indeed. And, you know, as I developed more skills, I found myself relaxing, being able to be playful and and have much more fun. Good points. Mm -hmm. So, and again, if you want to see a lovely example of a professional blog, of that personal brand and resources, please do visit Dorley's blog www.socialwork.career. So Jolie, thanks again. Oh,
3: thank you, Pat.
1: You have been listening to Doralee McCauley discuss social media and social work practice on In Social Work.
0: Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree and continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.